from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Making a difference every day. If I didn't have his buy-in, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. Meet another Dairy Industry Award winner who has never stopped learning and sharing. They're digging out in the east after the first major lake effect snowstorm of the season. Dairy farmers are seeing the tightest margins on record. So what policy changes are dairy farmers pushing for? We'll have that coming up today on Ag Day. Our team coverage of the 2023 Milk Business Conference from Las Vegas, Nevada continues right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Chuck Freeby, Sports Director for the Family Broadcasting Corporation. Clinton is on assignment, he'll be back Monday. It's been a tough year for the dairy industry due to lower prices, but are things starting to turn around as we move into the end of the year? Farm Journal's Tyne Morgan joins us from this year's Milk Business Conference in Las Vegas. Tyne, quite a change from a year ago for the industry. Well, the sentiments, they've definitely shifted since we were here a year ago. Dairy farmers were still seeing high costs at that time, but they also saw higher milk prices. This year, margins are some of the tightest that dairy producers have ever seen. We had a little bit of pressure uh, get relieved here in the last couple months, but over the summertime, we hit record low margins on the DMC numbers. Um, and that's putting farmers in a tough spot. The tight margins are now triggering monthly dairy margin coverage program payments from FSA every month so far this year. A risk management tool passed in the last farm bill. I think most folks are pretty pleased with the dairy margin coverage program and how it operates. It needs to be modernized though. It needs to reflect today's modern dairy to make sure the farmers that receive benefit from the program when it was first put in place can still continue to get coverage for their production under the program. DMC has been a good risk management tool for dairy farmers. The federal milk marketing order is one the dairy industry is now pushing to also modernize, including returning to the higher of class one mover instead of using the average. We're taking a, a two prong approach. This is such an important factor for dairy farmers. We want to make sure we do it right and the fastest way possible. So we're taking one route through the farm bill and one route through the federal order process. Whichever one works first is great, um, but we feel confident that we'll get this passed. Um, it's just you know, one way or the other, uh, we'll hopefully get this done. The federal milk marketing order has not been updated since 2000, but as the dairy industry looks to the new farm bill as a possible vehicle to push those changes through, Klippenstein says there are also other positives that could come in a new farm bill for dairy, including any conservation programs. Other commodities, I think, are still trying to figure out how they fit in sustainability. For dairy, it's quite clear. We're part of the solution when it comes to addressing uh, climate concerns. Dairy farmers right now, because of our customer base, are being asked to do more. They're being asked to measure and verify and report the carbon credits and environmental credits that they're creating on their operation. And these conservation funds can help them cost share some of that progressive work they're doing on their farm. Klippenstein says these conservation and carbon programs have the potential to be more valuable than the price of milk for dairy farmers. Well, as we reported earlier this week, the White House is allocating millions of dollars to address methane emissions from California's dairies. DFA just received $22 million from USDA's Regional Conservation Program grant funds. That money is intended to help develop feed additives aimed at reducing methane emissions from dairy cattle. Reporting from the Milk Business Conference in Las Vegas, I'm Tyne Morgan for Ag Day. A U.S. appeals court has struck down the EPA's decision to deny small refiners so-called hardship waivers. Those waivers 
exempted them from the nation's biofuel mandate. You'll remember earlier this year, the EPA denied most of the outstanding petitions from oil refiners. The refiners had argued the federal requirement to blend ethanol and other biofuels into their fuels would cause them financial hardship. A coalition representing farmers and ethanol producers responded to the ruling. They say while they're disappointed, this is not the final word on the issue. And most importantly, there's a, a lawsuit pending in the D.C. Circuit Court, and that's really where this all belongs. This is a, an issue. The RFS is an issue that is national in scope. The small refinery exemptions are, are national in scope. Cooper says that lawsuit will be heard early next year and will sort out where EPA goes from here on SREs. A busy day in the east, and you can bet for many farmers, including many dairy farmers in New York State, as folks dig out from the first significant lake effect snowstorm of the season. The Empire State, buried under a foot or more of snow, with up to three inches falling per hour at times, the storm causing whiteout conditions and dangerous driving situations in New York State, along with Pennsylvania and Ohio. And that snow continuing up until yesterday morning, with some areas seeing another six inches of snow. But the cold weather doesn't end there with freeze warnings in effect for the Florida Panhandle and South Georgia. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht has a look ahead. That's exactly right, Chuck. Uh, in fact, we're going to start to see kind of those two air masses, the, the cold one and the warm and humid one, battle it out. Uh, so while we are concentrating on some cold air funneling back in and across the United States to the southeast, check out what's going on in Texas, specifically Texas and Louisiana. Uh, typically this time of year, there's actually a second peak in terms of uh, possible severe weather, and that's what this is uh, saying right there. The possibility of a few tornadoes, damaging winds, heavy rain, and large hail as we start to grab some of that tropical moisture from the Gulf of Mexico. So that's something that we're going to be monitoring. Uh, once this moves up to the east, I'm talking about uh, the system as a whole, we're looking at rain spreading in across to the east. Back up here, that's where we may start to get some snow. But of course, we're going to be monitoring that situation very closely the next couple of days. Go ahead and take a look at your screen here. Gusty winds knocked down the national Christmas tree on the lips in Washington, D.C. Tuesday. It happened just a couple of days before the official lighting ceremony. Oh, no. There were sustained winds of 20 to 30 miles per hour in the D.C. area all day with higher gusts reported. Today's lighting ceremony, that's the meteorologist in me, National Park Service says it's confident the event will still go forward. It was a big day for wheat on Wednesday. We'll have more about that and if the cattle market continued to make gains. And later, we continue our focus this week on the dairy industry. And one employee who has learned everything about the industry and has found a way to carve his own niche as technology has changed. And now's your chance to sign up for the Case IH Holiday Giveaway. Each lucky winner will get a Case IH prize pack full of great gifts. One lucky winner will be drawn each day from Monday, December 18th through Friday, December 22nd. We'll announce those winners on Ag Day. Then the grand prize winner will be announced on U.S. Farm Report on December 23rd, 24th. And they'll win a Farmall Sea Pedal Tractor. To enter, head to the website on your screen, caseihholidaygiveaway.com. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the testing grounds meet the proving grounds. Pioneer, what's next happens here.
Tuesday was a big day for cattle, but was there still green on the board on Wednesday? Ag Day's Michelle Rook talks with Rich Nelson of Allendale. Wednesday was mostly higher in the grain sector. Rich Nelson with Allendale joining us in wheat, the price leader, Rich. And uh, was that all corrective buying or was there some talk of some export news helping to drive the market? You know, I do think the trade is still monitoring this week's story from Russia. The question with, with uh, a government working group suggesting they may consider some type of export ban if their stock levels get tight enough. And, you know, we're not we're not quite sure about an actual ban, but maybe some restriction, maybe starting out January, February. That might be a story to look at. Also, on top of that, Russian wheat prices have been accelerating in recent days. So maybe there is a small change in this very bearish narrative here. Is there any validity to this talk that maybe China might be back in for more U.S. wheat? Uh, there is. And we've heard these rumors off and on for the past several months. And, and we've had a few weeks where China has been active buyers. I'm not quite sure if this is going to be a discussion for this week's trade, but certainly for the short term, I think this is still a background supportive influence, at least in the very short term here. And corn managed to end a little higher, except for the December contract, but, you know, we'll call that, I guess, a moral victory here. And do you think we're going to start to see some of this liquidation subside once we get past first notice day? I do think in the short term, at least for this week's discussion, you know, keep in mind, we're hitting new lows, at least Pete, these, uh, almost uh, for the past in fact, uh, for the past three days in a row. Maybe we can stabilize after we get through this first notice day discussion. Uh, we still haven't fixed the long-term supply problem. And, Certainly for the Brazilian story, the weather issue on corn is not yet enough to really change the U.S. story. So I can't quite say the long term pressure is quite over here just yet here. OK, and what about soybeans ended off the highs there? Were we just into some resistance areas on the charts or is the market looking ahead at the Brazil forecast now? I think that's still a very active discussion. You know, one thing we do have to recognize is of our three main center west, center west states uh, that we're kind of watching, uh, one of those three, uh, Mato Grosso do Sul, is now off the table regarding an area of concern. So we really only have two of those three states left. And in addition, the discussion for this forecast the next two or three weeks is not of massive drought, but moderate dryness. So we do have a little less in concern about drastic uh, production cuts here. Thanks so much, Rich Nelson with Alan Deal, and we'll have more Ag Day coming up. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Steel Closing Wheels. Perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order your Germinator Closing Wheels today. So a little bit ago, uh, we looked at uh, the possibility for some freezing temperatures, uh, freeze warnings that issued parts of the nation. We also looked at the severe weather potential. Now, as the system progresses, the other part of this, so this is uh, through Saturday at 7 p.m., uh, the amount of moisture that is going to be coming through the Gulf Coast states, pretty impressive for this time of year. Uh, three to five inches of rainfall in through parts of Georgia, possibly even into South Carolina. As we come back up here to the north, the moisture is going to spread through as rain, light to moderate showers, maybe a changeover to some light snow. But since the system is traveling from the south to the north, I'm not expecting a similar lake effect snow event uh, in through uh, parts of uh, New York, which is what we saw the past couple of days. A very kind of a warm situation rather than freezing rain, ice or snow situation. Speaking of which, uh, flipping back, this has been very consistent. Uh, if you've been with us the last couple of days, I've been showing this time frame, December 4th uh, through the 8th, everything continues uh, to kind of 
line up with above average temperatures into the Dakotas back out here to the east. And if you have been following us, you may now notice that through December 8th, the above average or the above normal temperatures, this right up here, is growing more to the east rather than shrinking or retreating. So what that means is the system in the jet stream responsible for the heat, for the warmth, is going to be moving from the west to the east through the course of next week. Here's a look at what we got with the jet stream. So this is uh, on Thursday. You see this piece of energy right here. That's what's going to be picking up uh, some of that moisture from the Gulf of Mexico. You combine that, uh, the air masses start to battle. A severe weather potential is there for Texas and Louisiana uh, going into the next couple of days. Now for a jet stream on Saturday, a shallow trough is going to try and dig through. But more importantly, it's going to amplify this ridge here and then back off onto the west coast. The reason why this is going to be so shallow is a dominant ridge is really going to start to take shape on Monday and Tuesday. That's where the warming comes into play. Page, Arizona, that's up there by the uh, Grand Canyon, high about 52 degrees. Gage, Oklahoma, high around 50 degrees, low of 27. Sheboygan, I can't spell it, but it's fun to say. Cloudy, high of 40 degrees. A well-known name for livestock showing is building a whole new facility. We'll show you coming up. And later, we continue our celebration of the dairy industry with a look at one industry leader who learned the business from the ground up. And here's another reminder to sign up for the Case IH Holiday Giveaway. Each lucky winner will get a Case IH prize pack full of great gifts. We'll announce the winners just before Christmas here on Ag Day. Then the grand prize winner will be announced on U.S. Farm Report and they'll win a Farm All C pedal tractor. To enter, head to the website on your screen, KSIHHolidayGiveaway.com. As we told you earlier this month, USDA is allowing beef imports into the U.S. from Paraguay starting next month. Groups like the National Cattlemen's Beef Association has opposed the decision, citing concerns over Paraguay's history of foot and mouth disease. However, USDA officials say trade has to be a two-way street. We have to play by those same rules in the United States. And my colleagues at the Animal Plant Health Inspection Service, APHIS, have done their work um, to make sure that we have confidence in the safety of Paraguay beef uh, imports coming into the United States. Gaining access to the U.S. market has been a top priority for Paraguay in multiple rounds of trade discussions. It's well known in the beef industry and is now involved in building a new massive campus, American Royal in Kansas City, hosting a barn raising this week on the more than 390,000 square feet facility. That's the equivalent of nearly seven football fields. Officials say the facility is designed to attract visitors year-round to the area, hosting food and agriculture events. It will feature three arenas and a learning center. It will be able to house more than 1,500 horses and nearly 4,000 head of cattle. The American Royal started in 1899 as the National Hereford Show, the first nationwide show for purebred cattle. That first show was held in a tent at the Kansas City Stockyards. The new facility is expected to host its first event in late 2025 or early 2026. Many people in the dairy business developed a love for it in their childhood. For one man, a journey of many miles brought him into the industry, and he's never left. Meet another of this year's Milk Business Conference winners next. Ag Day is brought to you by Tyrannus, moving the acre forward. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com.
Coverage of the Milk Business Conference on Ag Day is brought to you by Robo AgriFinance. Discover how local relationship managers and global sector expertise can help you address challenges and seize opportunities. Robo AgriFinance. Let's talk. Learn more at www.roboag.com. We want to introduce you to another Milk Business Conference Award winner. Today's winner is being honored for employee excellence. And as Farm Journal's Tyne Morgan reports, he's learned everything about the dairy industry, starting from the bottom up. Lorenzo Vitorino came to America as a 15-year-old boy with his family. I came here in uh, 1991, uh, eight kids, five boys, three girls, and, uh, and my dad and my mom, of course, 10 people. He was put straight into high school where he says he faced bullying and then money got tight for his family. That's when he started working on a dairy farm. So I had to go work with one of the, the oldest brother that it's working here for Vance too. And very quickly, he found his calling. They asked me if I wanted to be the herdsman. And of course I was young, but I said yes. And there was a lot of challenges here that we went through and uh, uh, it was a lot of hard work, but we did it. The operation owned by Vance Alum and the Alum family. Lorraine has now worked for the family for 34 years. Two years ago, Vance said, hey, I'm thinking about doing robots. You know, mm -hmm. robots, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> if I didn't have his buy-in, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. And we would not have, have transitioned as quickly because he put his heart and soul into to this process and, and making every startup better. Lorraine pivoting to learn everything he could about the robots as the operation made the transition to robotic milking, bringing a new system online every two months. When he thinks about startup, he's thinking about how can we be easy on the cows, what's the most comfortable for the cows. But it's not just the cows that benefit from Lorraine's years of experience. It's really the entire crew. Loren is like family to us. Um, he does a tremendous job. He, he treats this facility as if he owns it. Um, a lot of times if I find something out that's going on from the guys at the dairy before he does, he's not happy about it because he takes so much pride in that this is his baby to run. And he's, he's just always there for us. I feel like Lorena has kind of the unique ability to have really high standards which could seem daunting to a lot of workers, but he also has the ability to kind of get the respect from the guys, keep things fun, keep people motivated. And I always tell them, hey, you, you learn and maybe someday you have an opportunity. I don't want to lose you, but hey, if you do, because I did it too for myself, to, for my family, to benefit my family. And I never hold nothing back. If they want to learn, I'm here to help them. Lorraine was presented with the opportunity to start his own dairy a couple years ago, but he said no, happy to stay right where he is. He's very proud um, of what he does and how he does it. Um, he's, he just wants it done right, and if it, his name's going to be associated to it, it needs to be done the best it can be. He doesn't do things halfway. And he says he's humbled to be a Milk Business Award winner. Well, that means a lot because this was a team, not only one person. You're not going to be able to do this one person. Congratulations, Lorraine. This is well-deserved. The team you've put together is tremendous. And Ashley and I and my mom and dad, Jim and Carol, owe a lot to you. And we really appreciate all, this, all that you've done for our family and the success of, of County Line and 
what was James Allendary before. So thank you very much, Lorraine. Congratulations to this year's Milk Business Award winner for employee excellence, Lorraine Vitorino of County Line Farm in Denaire, California. Thanks, Ty. That's all the time we have this morning. Thanks for watching. For all of us at Ag Day, I'm Chuck Freebie. Have yourself a great day.